Well, tonight uh, is the third of a very short summer series on uh, the subject of how that we as a community of believers here at Ethos may be preparing ourselves for a new lead pastor. We've been considering our role in making his ministry a joy and not a burden. And that, I think, I believe with all my heart that that is all of our desire, is to make it a true joy to be a lead pastor here at Ethos. But the subject we come to tonight fills me with a little bit of trepidation because I've taught on this particular subject, I think, three different times in my ministry over, what, 20 plus years, whatever that might be. And uh, the first two times I taught, it was accepted and appreciated, and people uh, thought that it was well-received. But that third time was a rough one. That third time that I presented this material Uh, resulted in a firestorm of emails and of letters and of phone calls and conversations that, shall I say, were less than complimentary. Uh, I stirred up a hornet's nest that I didn't know that I was going to stir up. Uh, I, I received emails and letters from people that weren't even there. That's how intense it was. And so I, I do uh, bring it, but I, I trust that you will receive it in the heart that, that I bring it to you. Because I want to address the sin of murmuring and complaining. We are all probably familiar with and most likely have participated in what I will call unholy huddles. Unholy huddles. You know, it starts off so innocent. Maybe you're at lunch with a friend and you're having this great conversation when the subject of church comes up. And there is a little hesitation and silence, a pause in the conversation, and then one of you makes a less than favorable comment about your pastor. His sermons are so long. We're so boring. He didn't say hi to me last week. Or maybe, what does he really do with all of his time? And then from there, the temptation is to go to the comparisons. You know, that comparison game. Uh, You know, that former pastor of ours was a better preacher than this one is. Or, you know, the church down the street, their pastor... Boy, he is charismatic and he's good looking. Or maybe, you know, our church is really not growing like that church down the street. And and maybe if we just did things more like that, maybe, maybe it would be better. I bet if we had a pastor like that, then we could really do something. Whatever the situation, whatever the conversation... It has become an unholy huddle for airing grievances or complaints about a pastor that serves no purpose other than to complain. Now, as Christians, we know better than to call things gossip 
or murmuring, because that's just not very acceptable in our circles, right? So we share with one another. We fellowship together. But let's call it what it is. If it's not with a person, speaking negatively about a person who's not in your presence, it's gossip. And it's murmuring or complaining. I honestly believe with all my heart that these unholy huddles are one of the most common diseases in the church in our day, in our lifetime. They happen everywhere and so often they happen and we are not even aware that we're doing it. Because it's become kind of a natural thing for us to do Criticizing our authorities. It brings so much destruction and so much discouragement and negativity to the community of Christ that I believe God mourns when this is occurring. I know that we, the community here at Ethos, do not want that for our community of believers here. We don't desire that. We want to be consumed with the heart of encouraging one another and building up one another and loving on one another so much that that is not a part. Now, we're not going to pretend that this is a problem-free zone. If it's a problem-free zone, you're probably not doing anything. If you're not being criticized at one point or another, you're probably not doing anything. If you're not doing something wrong, you're probably not doing anything. That's not what we're talking about. If you're doing anything, errors will be made. But when they are, I want ethos with all of my heart to be a place where they're dealt with biblically and straight up and in open Above board, constructive way. Not gossip and not murmuring. My hope is that just by drawing attention to this issue now in this time, right before a new lead pastor comes in, if I can draw our attention, maybe it will be on the forefront of our mind. And if we're participating or have participated, okay, repent. Turn away from it. If you haven't, rejoice and say, thank you, Jesus, you've kept me from that, right? But then be on the guard because you will be tempted at one point or another in your life. Guard against it. May we be a body that will not allow that to take root in our midst. Now, what I am not saying Here's some of my trepidation, right? I'm going to try and define it here because I don't want you thinking that I'm thinking that's something that I'm not saying, okay? What I am not saying, I'm not vaguely addressing a situation that's existing, okay? You hear me? I don't know of it going on in our community. Just raise your hand if you're hearing me, okay? Thank you. Thank you. I'm not saying that at all. Because that would be the exact opposite of what I'm trying to teach, right? I'm not doing that. I don't know what's going on. So I'm not trying to address a situation 
in bulk when I should be going to a person-to-person, all right? I am not saying that our pastor won't have accountability. I'm not saying that at all. I am not saying that he'll always be right because if he's doing anything, he won't always be right. I know that you're going to have an opinion that oftentimes our pastor won't share or he won't share your opinion, and it's okay. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a voice and shouldn't be willing to speak. I'm not saying that at all. There's just a right way to go about it. And we all want to know the right way so that we might be honoring to our Savior. Right? That's our heart. That's what we want. The right way does not include gossip and murmuring in case you missed it. Okay? All right. So tonight, what I want to do, I want to talk just two brief points. The seriousness of murmuring and then the alternative to murmuring. We're going to be looking briefly at the book of Numbers. So if you want to turn in your Bible to Numbers 21. Numbers chapter 21. And we'll be reading just five verses. We find the Israelites, the Hebrew people, are at the end of their wilderness journey. Okay, they're right at the end. And we'll read the passage and we'll see what happens, okay? From Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Eden. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water and we loathe this worthless food. That's the manna that they've been eating for 40 years, right? You get tired of leftovers, they're tired of manna. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. This is the word of God. Okay, so as I said, they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and they're at the end of the 40 years and they're ready to go into the promised land, ready to go home. They only had one obstacle. Edom, the country of Edom, lie between them and the promised land. And so all they had to do is like a day or two journey to cross this country of Eden. And so Moses said, uh, went to the king of Edom, Edom and said, hey, will you let us cross? We won't get off the road. We won't drink your water. We won't do anything. We just want passage. And the king of Edom said, nope, not going to do it. And he rallied his army. He says, you're not going to cross here. And so Moses and the people of Israel had to make a 180 mile detour to go around just to go in the promised land. They were tired, they were discouraged, they were disgruntled, and they started complaining about God and Moses. They forgot all the things that God and Moses had done for them, and all they could do was grumble and complain. 
Now, God took their grumbling seriously. Murmuring is not a minor thing to God. He sent snakes to bite them and they suffered and died because they were murmuring. Well, it didn't take them very long to recognize that this was not what they should be doing. And so they asked Moses to intercede for them and said, Moses, you got to tell God to stop. We're sorry. We did wrong. We recognize it. Please. And so God told him to, to make this bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and whoever was bit, then they looked to the pole, to the serpent, and lived. If the Lord wills, we will have a new pastor in the coming days. There's going to be a lot of excitement. I mean, I'm already feeling the excitement. Hope for the future. We'll get to know him and his family and we'll love on him. We'll listen attentively to what he has to say and be especially attentive to the direction that he gives us. And we will assume the best in all his communication. I'll let you in on a kind of an inside secret. Pastors call that the honeymoon phase. It's real. Because after the honeymoon phase, you know, comes a time that's not the honeymoon phase. And maybe he'll say something in a way that just kind of sets you off. Or maybe he has some ideas or direction that is not what you like. Maybe his messages won't be as profound as the first two or three or four or six. Maybe he won't say things the way you want them to. Or maybe he's just, he won't be as strong in a few areas that you really want him to be strong in. And it is that point that you will be tempted to have that unholy huddle. Can you believe what he's doing? Right? But at this point, you will be tempted in that way. I just want to remind you that God does not take lightly murmuring and grumbling against the leader, the leader that he put in your place. Go back to Numbers 21. It's not a small thing in our day and time. We tend to think of big sins and little sins. And we don't even really tend to think of gossip and murmuring as, as sin. But my friend, it's a big sin. God takes it seriously. So when you're tempted, stay close to the Savior and resist the temptation. So, if God takes it seriously, I'm taking it seriously, what are my alternatives? I want to give you three, okay? Let me be quick to say that truly, these are, what I'm suggesting to you is no different than if you and I had a difference of opinion, and we had a disagreement. The principles are the same, whether it's your pastor or whether it's one of us. I'm just talking about the pastor now, and so we'll be applying it that way. The principles are the same. 
I'm going to be basing these three alternatives on several different passages. We're not going to look at each one of them. We have Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 and following. There's Romans chapter 12. There's Ephesians chapter 4. We could go all over, but we won't tonight. Let me just outline. First of all, first alternative that you have if you're tempted or if you have a disagreement or... or uh, an offense against your pastor. The first alternative is to overlook the offense. As simple as that. Overlook the offense. In Proverbs 19, verse 11, it says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. It's a good thing to overlook when somebody has offended you if you can do it well. There are three questions that you need to ask yourself. When you're asking yourself, can I overlook this offense? The first question is, is God's reputation hurt in some way by my brother's offense? If this offense that I have against my brother is going to somehow hurt the reputation of Jesus, you don't have the option to overlook it. You need to go to him and you need to talk to him. The second question that you can ask is, will this offense harm somebody else? Do, is it more than me that are aware of this offense? And is it going to harm their walk with Jesus? If it's going to harm somebody else's walk with Jesus, then you don't have the, the option to overlook the offense. And finally, and this one's kind of hard. Can I get past it relationally in my relationship with my brother? Can I let it go and forgive him without talking to him or bringing it up to him? Can I free him from any problem in, relating, in relation to this offense? If the answer is no, if I still kind of, you know what I'm talking about, that kind of gut feeling down there and said, man... And it's been two or three days and I just can't get over it. Then you're not free to overlook it. You need to talk to him. So the first offense is overlook the offense. And the second alternative, and this is bright and this is, is perceptive and it's deep theologically. But simply, go talk to him. As simple as that is, go talk to him. He will welcome you and listen to you. I have no doubt that this is the kind of man that the pastoral search committee is looking for. Somebody who will sit down and talk with you. He may well be very, very wrong in what he has said or done. He may have misspoken something or did something that he should not have. He may have hurt your feelings either knowingly or unknowingly. And a man of God will want to make that right. If you give him a shot at it. If he doesn't know, he can't make it right. Give him the freedom to seek your forgiveness. And be quick to grant it. Forgiveness is such a beautiful cleansing thing, both on the, the part of the one who is granting it and the one who is receiving it. 
There may be a simple misunderstanding that can be easily resolved. But my friends, he can't fix it if he doesn't know about it. Take the initiative. Go to him. Not to your friend. Go to the one. Is what you'd want somebody else to do for you, isn't it? Isn't that the kind of love and respect you want from somebody else? Now, let me... I don't think this is simply a product of my age. But I'm going to tell you anyway. Please don't do it electronically. You know, we tend to think that we can say anything we want to by text or by email, and it's a lie. It is really hard to read body language in a text. It's hard to read emotion. And being a man, I really don't want to put all those emojis out on everything that I'm doing, right? It just doesn't seem real manly to me. I don't know. Again, that's probably the product of my age. But go to him and talk to him. You can read how somebody is accepting something. And if you can see that they're not getting it, you can reframe it. You can reshape it. You can, you can understand if there's misunderstandings. But so, so many times things are escalated because we won't sit down and talk. We'll send a text. Now's not the time. If the subject is one that you don't want to really talk alone with the person, with your pastor, grab an elder. They love you. They want to shepherd you. Take your spouse. But go. Sooner rather than later. You really don't need to brew on it three months before you go talk to somebody. Because it's probably, if it started here, it's now here. Be quick. Be quick. But, Steve, what if at this point we're not on the same page? What if we're not agreeing? Well, you have some options, right? First, you, (laughs) this sounds kind of silly in the light of what's going on in our world. You can really submit to his leadership and it's okay. You can submit to your authority. And say, well, I don't agree, but it's okay. Friends, it's okay to agree to disagree on most subjects. As strange as that sounds, that's a tweetable tweet right there, isn't it? It's okay to disagree. Seems like a skill that's lost in our day, but I promise it's all right to do so. Personal example. Years ago, uh, years ago, okay, um, had a good relationship with a couple of men, and we agreed probably 90 to 95 percent on our theology. I mean, we were really close in our understanding of the things of God, but there were a couple things, <laughs> you know. Um, there's a couple things that we disagreed on. And they would not let it die. Almost every conversation we would have, they would bring it up and we'd have to talk about it. And we disagreed and, and went on. And the next time I saw them, 
They brought it up, and it wasn't enough just to disagree with me, but they had to take it to other people and say, our pastor is wrong on this one, and yada, 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 yada. And I can tell you, from a pastor's point of view, there were months and years that there was little joy in the ministry for me. There were pockets of joy. But that constant being nibbled to death by a duck just sucked the joy out. Don't do that. There are close hand issues and open hand issues. You've heard this. I think Al Mohler was the one that spoke about it first. Close hand issues. That's the gospel. Jesus is the only way. There's heaven and hell. And what you do with Jesus, it matters. But there's a lot of open-handed issues. Close-hand issues, you hammer them out. But open-hand issues, as long as you want to talk about them and both parties want to talk about them, okay. But you can leave friends. You really need to leave friends with closed-hand issues either. But you can agree to disagree because they're not gospel issues. It's okay to agree to disagree. So, first of all, first option is you can let it go and agree to disagree. Third alternative. You can appeal to the elders. If there's an issue that you really can't get unstuck, whether theological or relational, and most of them will be relational. And you've gone to your pastor, and you've, you've talked about it, and it, you know there's just not where it needs to be. It's hurting the cause of Christ or this body. Ask to meet with the pastor and the elders. Call in spiritually mature men to help sort through these issues so that you can maintain the relationship. My friends, I can speak a lot from experience on this one. We pastors are often wrong. Seldom in doubt, often wrong. We feel strongly. And that's part of our calling, I think. But we are often wrong. We can be stubborn and opinionated. We have blind spots. And probably the thing that I hate worse in the world, that may be an overstatement, are blind spots because I can't see them. I'd fix them if I could see them. But I can't see them. And your pastor will have blind spots. So do you. And pastors can be as sinful as the next guy. But you have elders who really want to shepherd you well. And this is one of the ways they do it. For your spiritual good. And for the good of the body here at Ethos. For the good of your pastor. And most importantly, for the good of the reputation of Jesus. We need to address conflict and address disagreements in an open manner, as open as it needs to be, but avoid unholy huddles. Most of us, 
as we draw too close, most of us, if we are honest, we've participated in those things. I know I have. Criticized somebody in some way, whether it's our pastor or someone else, criticized somebody that wasn't present to somebody that couldn't fix it or couldn't do anything about it. Just being a negative Nelly. Nelly. Maybe the pastor, maybe somebody else. But I think tonight is a good time for us just to repent. If I've been guilty of murmuring against someone, speaking negatively or criticizing against anyone, it's really a great time to repent. And just go to before the Lord and say, I am sorry. I hadn't been thinking about it this way. And when Steve talked about it, I can see it. Lord, forgive me. And be free. Just be free. Be free of it. And then purpose not to in days ahead. In Numbers, we see that God commanded that bronze serpent to be raised up, to be fashioned and raised up and held on that pole. If people would simply look at the serpent, they would be healed. In John chapter 3, Jesus refers back in his conversation with Nicodemus. He refers back to this. And Jesus said of him, his, himself, I will be lifted up on a pole. I will be lifted up. And looking at me for forgiveness and cleansing and healing, you will be healed. And I think that includes the sin of murmuring and complaining. It includes every sin that I'm guilty of committing. He bore the penalty of my own sin of gossip and murmuring. And all I can do is say, thank you, Jesus, for doing that for me. And I now can rest in the reality that all my sins are forgiven. I'm cleansed. I don't bear that weight anymore. Because I've looked to Jesus. Can we just covenant together for the good of our ethos community? For the good of us as a body of Christ. For the good and joy of our new lead pastor whenever we receive him. For the good of our own souls And most importantly, for the good of the reputation of Jesus himself. Let's just put away all that. And purpose within our own minds and hearts to put it all away. If it's of particular temptation to you, ask the Holy Spirit to take it away. And find a good accountability partner. It's amazing. If you know somebody's going to ask you. Did you gossip this week? What do I have to say? For the good of the reputation of Jesus, put it away. Let's pray.